the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. I'm Juliana Colangelo. I am a vice president at Colangelo Partners and also a host on the Italian Wine Podcast. I am very honored to be here today to present our guest, Shelley Lindgren. Uh, I'm going to introduce Shelley with a quote from Letty Teague, the wine writer for the Wall Street Journal. Great wine cities are the work of great wine professionals. San Francisco is one of the world's great wine cities, and Shelley Lindgren helped make it so. I might only add, Shelley helped make San Francisco a great wine city for Italian wine, specifically. Uh, over the past 30 years, Shelley has channeled her deep-seated appreciation for Italy into an award-winning career in wine. In 2004, she opened A16 in San Francisco, a neighborhood restaurant inspired by the cooking of Campania and highlighting Italian wine around the region, with an emphasis on the South. And to quote another well-known American wine writer, Esther Mobley of the San Francisco Chronicle, Lindgren was not the first sommelier to create an Italian wine list like this, but her restaurant helped give shape to the genre at the same time as its style of food, the produce-driven pizza and salad model. We've seen the style of eating and the Italian wine list that have followed uh, throughout the country now since Shelley opened A16 in 2004. Shelley's love of Italian wine has expanded into book writing. Her first book, A16 Food and Wine, was published in 2008, and in 2012, she co-authored her second book, SPQR. And just this summer, she released her third book, Italian Wine, The History, Regions, and Grapes of an Iconic Wine Country. You can see her book also at the book corner uh, at 1055, just after this. Shelley's love and passion for Italian wine is infectious, and we're really excited to talk to her today about how we inspired the next generation of sommeliers around Italian wine. We've talked a lot about consumers, but we all know for imported wine especially that the sommeliers are our first gatekeeper and our first audience in many ways. So with that, I'm going to turn over to Shelly to introduce herself and talk a little bit more about her book. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming today. And also, I can't tell you what joy it is for me to be back in Italy and uh, I feel like I'm home when I come here. I feel so welcome, and everybody's always very hospitable. And uh, thank you, Juliana. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> you know, for me and for the life we live in wine and food and hospitality, you always feel like your work is never done, and there's always so much to do. So for me, it's really, truly an honor to be here and to be speaking about something that I feel has um, really shaped my whole professional career. It's been my passion for my adult life. And I've been uh, working in restaurants and had the ability to meet so many winemakers, welcome them into our restaurant, 
We visited every region multiple times. You know, this quest of knowledge and the depth that history of um, Italian wine goes is much deeper than as young as the country is today. I co-authored these books. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what led up to it, but Kate Leahy, who is um, an A16 alum, and many of you here might know a few A16 alum because we've been open for almost 20 years in February, and I can hardly believe that, actually. Um, but, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm from California, so I am from uh, multiple generations back in California, and people always ask me, what's your favorite region in Italy? And I can never answer because I cannot pick one. I really do love the country. I love the diversity of the regions. At A16, we ended up focusing on the south of Italy. It didn't always start off that way for the wine program because I actually was completely a blank slate and I knew the beautiful regions of Piedmont, Tuscany, Veneto, and I read in books about Vermentino from Sardinia and there was some wine from Mount Etna, but I never had had it then. And when we opened in 2004, I found one. It was the Cotonera was the, my, our very first Etna Rosso. And then Paso Picharo came and then Terranera. And there was a Benanti. There was a couple that kept entering the market or in, you know, where we were in San Francisco, which might be so much different than entering the U.S. market in New York or Florida, New Jersey, because that's much closer, as you know, uh, geographically. And then the coast on the other side is a good market too. California is a, a huge place. It's almost the size of Italy, honestly. And I think we do have some, some data for you later, but we have a really educated, wonderful customer base in the Bay Area that learned to trust us. And then, you know, when I said to them, they said they want Pinot Noir. And I said, have you had... Galliopo, have you had Nebbiolo? I mean, most people have had a Nebbiolo or Sangiovese, Chianti, Brunello. And there's this whole other world of wines that really became a love of mine to find, to taste, to learn and know. And I thought that was pretty normal at the time. <laughs> so we have like our language in the restaurants is, you know, the language of Italian wine and how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> along with the dishes, is something that we take seriously, but we also have a lot of fun. You have to be able to ha really enjoy what you do. Like right now, our team at A16 and our kitchen in the front of the house, we were working together. It's one of my favorite moments. And of course, we had to rebuild completely during COVID, even though we were open the whole time, minus one week that everything was shut down. We didn't do to-go because we knew that Pisa Napolitana wasn't going to travel that great. We really wanted everyone who comes into the restaurant to have the best flavors and the, the best examples of wine that represent uh, the grapes because we knew that we were introducing them to someone who maybe, maybe they didn't have a Fiorno di Avellino or Verdicchio di Castello di Yessi. And so there were some that we tasted and they felt like these are great we can afford to pour these by the glass, and then we would do an extensive by the glass program, 40 wines by the glass, a carafe by the bottle. And then we were also there to back it up and hand sell the wines. That's just how we operate our service. And, and uh, we also wanted to be balanced on food, wine, and service at the restaurants. 
so that if you came in, you felt welcome and you also, it wasn't like we were just giving you a wine list that you were not super unfamiliar with. We would make it comparable to to wines like has an American sommelier. We study uh, the wines of France first because, and the wines of California were in our backyard. And that's just the way that the exams were written. Most of them were about, when I was taking them, about 75% French wines. And I think Italy, for the amount of of wine that's produced here, it was extremely underrepresented in the exams. And that's sort of why I didn't understand that there were 17 other regions that really weren't that represented on the exams. And they are now. Now you see them a lot more. But it just, you know, just to give us a background and have the knowledge of a professional. We want to know what these wines are, where they're from, how they taste. And then now we've, uh, at the restaurant, sponsored over 40 sommeliers. And we know that travel is a huge part of really understanding Italy because it's the most beautiful place. And each region, you can really do, there's a section that says what grows together goes together. We put in here. And so in the wine book, we have it. So there were 20 years that Kate and I have been been coming to Italy. The A16 book was Southern Italian, uh, half wine, half food. And then SPQR did the other half. And the way we, we divided the list was really based on which one's predominantly where you have mostly olive oil in your cuisine. The other one was like, okay, this dairy. So we, we had to make a fictitious boundary just within ourselves to how we organized it. So when 10 Speed asked us to do the Italian wine book, we started this process about seven years ago. It slowed down a little bit in COVID. And I started a wine club during that time because we were that word pivoting, it was a big word we used a lot in COVID and it helped me to finish the book because I was so focused on the restaurants and we had deadlines to meet. Kate kind of kept me on track because we're, we can pretty much finish each other's sentences right now. She would be jumping in right here. We started this regional wine club because we wanted to go over each region and how we, how we organize it in this book. The second part is each region from A to V. And we talk about the history of each region, you know, do our best job at it. There's a lot more that you could put in here because obviously it's a very big subject. It's about 130,000 words, which is about 30,000 words more than originally it was going to be. And we wanted to tell a story. And that's what we do in the restaurant every day. We tell a story about each wine. Our team, we get to know not only the wine, but your personal story, your family story, your journey. And you were in California explaining this to our customers and each other and learning things as we go along as well. So for us, it's it's a big part of it. And so that's another reason why it's such an honor for me to come here because I'm talking about it all the time. And, you know, this like going, we sort of been doing this book tour and so me being outside of the walls of the restaurant, but also, you know, talking about Italian wine, I feel so comfortable and there's no shortage of things to discuss. Definitely so. not. Yeah. yeah. And Shelly, I mean, you've introduced so many people to the world of Italian wine, both your customers at the restaurant, but other sommeliers as well. But could you talk to us a little bit about what was it about Italy that attracted you initially and really captured your passion and interest? Because I think that's what we want to learn and impart on today's audience is how do we take the passion that you found and create that in the next generation? I think there's a couple of things. Well, when I first was learning about Italian wine, there was very few people going to the South 
very few people going south of Rome, and except for Amalfi Coast, even the Etna. And I think, you know, when we opened in 2004, there were no cell phones, there was no Google. We were getting lost all. That's how the name A16 came up, because we literally kept finding ourselves back on the A16 when we were looking for an agriturismo or a restaurant or and uh, wineries. We were knocking on winemakers' doors just to try to learn what about Tarasi and Erpina and uncovering things that we didn't know that vines grew on trees here, you know, somewhere. And like, you know, there were so many traditions and of uh, vine training and stories from grapes like Esprino di Averja, or if you're in Umbria and, and talking to John Piero Bea, and he's talking about Trebbiano di Spolatino up the poplar trees on the neighbor's properties and getting contracts for those. And that's the kind of passion that carries over to what we do. And then we get to sell that wine when we hear that story. It's in, just incredible. So it sounds like yeah. there was a bit of that discovery factor that drew you in, like that yeah, the first, opportunity to really explore, get lost, stumble upon people. In early days of, um, like in the 90s, I worked in French fine dining, so I had to know Gerardon service for Bordeaux, Burgundy. and But even at that time, I was working for an Alsatian chef, and we barely had any wines from Alsace, and I was studying, and I was saying, you know, Uber, there's a, we have... Two, three different types of frog and we have, you know, different things. Like we, I was asking him about his family's, you know, heritage. And today he has his, a vineyard in Alsace and restaurants in Vegas and things. But, but it was still not. It was a timing thing. We weren't really thinking about it. And and his partner who had the restaurant before he went in, they only had red red wine, white wine, but everybody's drinking martinis, you know, cocktails. And then so you go get the the wines from there. And then after studying, I really wanted to come to Italy and I chose to go to Sardinia was the first place I went. And then Rome and uh, Umbria was, and then like we went to Valtellina after that. It was just sort of a straight trip. We just didn't know because I hadn't been in. I remember having, uh, being in Umbria and having in Perugia an Umbricelli pasta with truffles and a Sangrentino and I had like light bulbs going off in my, in my brain and like just the most beautiful, simple foods that tasted perfect. And I really understood how to eat pasta. Like it was so different from what I grew up with and also pizza. Pizza, we didn't, I didn't grow up, I didn't know what Neapolitan pizza was. And now we've been certified with the VPN for 20 years since 2004. It's because food and wine is something in Italy that we want to put together. And it's how I think about enjoying it is from having coming to Italy and we try to share that with our guests as well but you really I think traveling is really important and it's much easier now for Americans to really find their way around Italy and discover places and maybe an Airbnb which is actually started in San Francisco Mm -hmm. because someone was sleeping on their friend's couch and uh, you know found out that wouldn't it be great if I could stay someone's place so anyway it was it's really like opened up travel for italians and 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 i mean it must be something for an older generation to see how many people want to come search out your these wines now and see the families 
that were selling grapes that are now producing their own grapes. So there's just so much um, evolution. And I think it's a great time for Italian wine. I always think that, but <laughs> but there's just the quality and the connections. I mean, for me, I mean, I am working with Italian wine, but it seems like the government and the organizations are really doing a great job of bringing people into their regions and taking some education to the U.S. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. Definitely. Just moving on, I mean, looking at the wine sales in the on-premise in California, and thank you, Jeremy, for giving us some data points here to look at. Uh, we still see Italy, you know, number three in California, but pretty, you know, far behind in France in terms of number of placements. And then obviously uh, USA being the backyard is number one. So there's still a lot of work to do in the California market, as we can see, to get the trade and sommeliers on board with the category and increase the number of placements on wine lists. So talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing today with your team at A16, but just the general community of sommeliers in San Francisco around Italian wine. What is getting them excited? How are we getting them to pay attention to the category? How are we introducing them to the category? I think when you look at places like, let's take Mount Etna for one, and or there is just a lot of work being done within regions. Like last year, I was at the Prosecco Superiore uh, region. And I really, even though I know Prosecco and I have, you know, I've tasted through producers, I know which ones really fit with our programs. And uh, also, I mean, just the sheer amount of spritz being poured in the world today, you know, it's like, it's like, it's a creating kind of a happy hour thing. It's just, it's awesome. I love it. I think my first spritz is here. Aperol wasn't imported yet. We took some home in our suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and there's just so many traditions here that we we try to recapture and bring back to the U.S. If you think about Prosecco, now you can be like, yeah, this is a good spritz Prosecco. These are conversations that happen mm-hmm. in our markets because everyone has a, some sort of spritz on the menu. And then um, you have a Prosecco that you now, you can explain where Cartizze is or what the, you know, there's Rosé Proseccos coming through. And the same in other regions like Etna Bianco Superiore or Gran Selezione and Chianti Classico and things that you want to, it's not easy for the consumers, but so really like having that education continuing Mm -hmm. is extremely important because, for instance, a lot of people think of Chianti as Italian red wine. And even though today there's a lot more people asking about Tarassis, I've never had a Tarassi, about, you know, coming from California, we're just reminiscing on how Zinfandel is in California. It's related to Primitivo. And I thought the first time I went to Puglia, it was just going to be all about the Primitivo, but I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much to learn. And part of the learning is the journey and you get to explore and kind of be very open about what you're going to discover and looking for quality. And you're going to find it in every corner of Italy. But how do we get that to the U.S. market is, um, you know, I think just having programs that educating the team is, right. mm-hmm. it's easier said than done. But I feel like, I mean, I'm sure there's ways and the people who are selling the wine in our market mm-hmm. hopefully have all the tools and they, they share and come by, taste the wines and, 
and really, you know, bring that warmth of hospitality back to the U.S. And when it comes to introducing, let's say, someone who starts on your team and is newer to the category, you know, we know Italy's complex, not just the sheer number of regions and grapes and everything there, but also the rules and regulations. How do you introduce someone to the category? Because I think that's something we want to think about as well when we're coming to the U.S. market. How do we talk and present our wines in a way that's digestible for a sommelier who might be newer to the category? I've seen such a great improvement on um, just the presence of the Italian education of wine. I can't think of a another country. I mean, I have a one of my dear friends is the ambassador for Portugal, Portuguese wines, and he's doing a great job. Um, but in terms of the presence of of a country coming together, and within that country, have so many so much biodiversity of grapes mm-hmm. and have the the regions really speaking um, a language upon their own. So I think that it's sommeliers are, are really wanting to learn and to understand that. It's always unbelievable to me to see within Italy, sometimes I break it down like this wine's aged like a Barolo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for you from a different region. This wine's aged like a Brunello because those are words that really most of the wines that are found in Bigger markets like the Bevmos and the Total Wines will be predominantly from Tuscany and Piedmont and Veneto, but you will find that there's wines from all over Italy in there too. And so I've been seeing that more and more. And then the small, the smaller boutique wine shops, they have a different way of purchasing wine. And so they're really hand selecting wines that fit with what their message is on what they believe in wine and what their customer is looking, you know, what they want to like give to their customer recommend. Right. And something you mentioned as well was earlier was travel, like traveling to the region uh, left this indelible mark on you about Italy. And now that things are open again, we have wineries and winemakers and principals coming to California as well. And what would you tell an Italian winemaker or export director coming to California about the market that's different maybe than the rest of the country? We know every state has its nuances, but what would you give as advice to somebody coming to California, perhaps for the first time? It's so interesting because for what we do, we already have Italian wine in our restaurants. We're looking for it. There's still and we're really open to to tasting as if time allows cuz you know there's certain hours of the day if you're in a restaurant it can't be like you're always like rushing to get open in our in our mm. world but i think that you know sometimes just uh, maybe at the end of the day if you didn't get a chance to see someone you really want to taste with or and you have something open you could bring it by for them or set up an appointment with them or if depending everyone has a different way of t- of making appointments for mm-hmm. winemakers but i think that you know say you're going to a restaurant that has italian wines but less on the list i think that you should taste them on it being like open because if you go to italian restaurants only then you have a smaller pool of people that in a bigger market mm-hmm. sometimes as italian sommelier in America, you do think backwards because mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, if you like Bordeaux, try this wine. If you like right. Pinot, try this wine. But sometimes, you know, in California, let's say we have 
Mexican food, <laughs> you know, maybe, but like, it could be like a cal, not just like any Mexican food. It could be like a bigger, or it could be, um, we have a, just a lot of different ethnic cuisines, I guess, but mm-hmm. we represent, and then we have California cuisine, which is very Italian in spirit because we have a lot of Italian farmers who emigrated to the California and, and we're a Mediterranean climate. I think there's five Mediterranean climates in the world and California is one of them. Mm. And so we grow very similar things and it makes so much sense. So it's great for us because we can recreate dishes with ingredients that we grow locally and we can ask our farmers to to grow things or maybe bring back things that they'll hopefully grow Mm. for us, um, which has happened or, you know, um, because we do things like peppers and we have, kales and you know you name it but um but i think that um there's a, there's still a lot of work in a room mm-hmm. for italian wines and and but it's already on a great path from where i i mean and we we're the, going back to the etna when we first opened we had three now we have over a hundred wow you can get and it's amazing it's yeah. incredible that means people are bringing them in importing them and selling them and yeah. restaurants looking for them yeah, and speaking of Etna, we pulled the top five regions. Um, this is for California. So we have them ranked in terms of the number of placements. Is there anything you found surprising here, Shelley, or pretty much what you thought? Well, it was great for the um, Trentino Alto Adige when I was, I was came from, I came here from Palm Springs for wine, and I'd never been to the desert, which is down by um, Mexico in South, South uh, California. And um, I was doing a talk there, and I was trying to find some Italian wine. <laughs> and the talk was about soil types, the volcanic, um, and was the was the theme. And and um, I had a hard time. There's a market for Italian wine needed to in these Palm Springs needs some Italian wine. And it's a great place to so, visit. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> so much fun. But it it. Um, so uh, there was some Italian wine, but for the topic we were talking about, volcanic, I couldn't find any. And so I ended up talking about a limestone. And then we, then Jeff talked about vol- volcanic soil. And, um, but in the shops down there, they had a row of Italy and then they had a, another th- sign that said Pinot Grigio. So it's, it's still, um, uh, the, which is which is great, except there's so much other wine in Italy, and and they did have some they had some great producers and things, but that's how they're selling a pretty big corporate store is selling their wines, and so it, it was interesting for me to walk in because I'm used to having the restaurant, you know, picking wines and selecting. Right. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, I think you can think maybe about California as also multiple markets within it as well. We have. On the next slide, here are the top five regions um, by placements for San Francisco is specifically a little bit different than the state, right? Not drastically, but we do see some differences with Piedmont first instead of Tuscany and Friuli as well. Was there anything here that surprised you? No, it seems... It seems <laughs> I think that there... I think what the takeaway from this is that there's more other regions from the top three that are being represented and growing, even mm-hmm. though... You know, is the sheer number of wine coming from them is, I mean, Lombardia is a huge producer, as right. big of a producer of wine as 
same with, I mean, Friuli as well to, to mm -hmm. see that. And Italy I, on here, it was the non-DOC wines. That's what yep. Italy mm -hmm. represents. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Looking ahead, Shelley, just towards the future, obviously a lot has changed for Italian wine in the U.S. in the last 30 years that you've been working in California. Uh, what do you think's next for, for Italy and for wine in California specifically? It was, I was having a great conversation with Jeff and, and Danielle yesterday because because uh, they're, um, Abruzzo's having a great moment, and I think, I think that's a sign of the future where, um, you know, regions that don't have big cities in it, that there isn't a Rome or Venice or Florence, it's um, less traveled for, so to get there is, a, is not as well known or easy, so to have uh, wine magazines, wine enthusiasts focusing on Abruzzo for a feature is incredible, and then I know that, you know, just going to the Adriatic side is much less traveled in, in the South as well. So I think that, that you'll see a lot more people exploring right. regions that they weren't before. Mm -hmm. They're really in, and, you know, movie like shows like White and Lotus and, mm -hmm. and Stanley Tucci are doing, you know, they did a great job for Italy. Yeah. Just uh, highlighting how, how beautiful it is. And, and, um, I mean, they didn't go to the wine regions and, and the White Lotus, but, it's still um, it was wildly I did popular. Want to revisit. I mean, I heard about I heard about the visitors, the yeah. tourists, the tourists are there. Thank you, Shelley, for being here. Thanks. So it's an honor to have you. And congratulations again on the new book. And thank you all for being here as well, and for being a great audience. Thank you so much, Thanks, you guys. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass U.S. Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.